Live from the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, It's a little bit cooler in the desert today. It is definitely a little cooler uh, as we go into this weekend, yes, and a lot of wind, lots of wind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kicking up all around, but uh, we, uh, you know, I'm here in L.A. right now, and I haven't seen sun the entire day. I'd so rather have hot a... air here, though, than um, uh, yeah. signs from the heavens like uh, meteorites <laughs> the size of the Empire State Building and uh, thunderbolts <laughs> of the Washington Monument all happening at the same time as everything else in this world. It it kind of feels like Armageddon may be right around the corner. Well, you know, we did have a little earthquake in Ridgecrest a couple of days ago. Yeah, some, what, like a 5.5 or something? Um, something like that. Yeah. I actually felt it. Uh, I think they I, like to shake, rattle, and roll time. there. Yeah. Uh, we just don't want a repeat of 94 right now. No. We have enough problems. In that was the Ridgecrest one, or the uh, <laughs> yeah, Northridge one. It was one. out near Ridgecrest, yeah. Or Northridge. Oh, Northridge is, yeah, Ridgecrest was a couple of days ago. Northridge right. was 1994. Yeah, we don't need that again. That was very bad, so. Yeah, when, okay. I, lived, when I lived in the Valley in Los Angeles, uh, uh, what, a dozen or a little more than a dozen years ago, my the house that I ended up uh, leasing there, the swimming pool actually had a huge crack that you could <laughs> see where they did the patchwork in the bottom of it. And I yeah. asked the homeowner about that, and he said, oh, yeah, that was from the 94 Northridge uh, quake because that was out in uh, the Woodland Hills area and yeah, it, it really shook by. things up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what are we talking about with cars this week? Well, you know, we're, something that I know you, you were thrilled about happening is that the Hertz actually did declare bankruptcy on May twenty second. Yeah. So it uh, it's continuing to operate, but you'll be you know, and so, sad to know that Carl Icahn has sold his shares at a significant loss. Oh, poor Carl. Yeah, so his 40% is gone. He sold it off to somebody for probably pennies on the dollar. But my guess is that since he's since he purchased it in, I don't know, several years ago, uh, he's probably already taken all of his money out of the corporation anyway. You know, you know Todd, any, anything that he put in. Since uh, the COVID-19 crisis began, there have been a lot of rental cars, as you well know, at the airport location in Palm Springs. Yes. They have been just sitting there, and if you enter the airport on Kirk Douglas Way off of Ramon, and you see mm-hmm. them basically on both sides of you as you're going in towards the terminal, um, but also across the street from where we are based at the iHub uh, on Alejo, uh, further up and just aside from the runway, uh, there are several more uh, cars there. I, you know, it probably dozens to hundreds, I would say maybe a few hundred that are parked mm-hmm. out there. And I noticed just yesterday on Friday that there was uh, a lot of commotion going on over there. I kept hearing all these horns going off, like like the car alarm horns. And then yeah. I looked out there, I walked out there because I could hear them actually inside the office of the radio station. And I looked across the street and I saw all these people over there wearing yellow t-shirts. So I'm guessing that maybe they work for Hertz and yeah. uh, they were basically setting off the alarms on the cars to find the cars that go with the keys that they had. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, you know, thanks so much for doing that. Could you just look for the license plates? 
you, you'd think that they'd do that, but uh, yeah. I I wonder know, there if, may uh, not that be that many left. They already fired 12,000 employees and put 4,000 on high, you know, on furlough, uh, you know, and, but they're, they're losing. You is know, anybody still working there? Well, they're, yeah, they're still operating, believe it or not. I mean, there's, you know, they're still going on and, you know, they're reorganizing a bankruptcy, but they're still going on. Um, yeah, so I, I guess that's the case. And, you know, there's a lot of rental cars that have been used by people coming to loot. Really? Yeah, because they're hard to trace. Well, but it would seem to me that it would be just the opposite, that because people have to give their ID and all that for renting the car, if somebody grabbed the license plate of a rental car at a particular time and date, they could then trace that back to who the person is by their driver's license. Well, that's true, but uh, you know, were they driving it at the time? A little harder, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I guess. Uh, but but yeah, but a lot of them were seen with you know they were they were being rented or they were taking an Uber or Lyft to uh, to go and <laughs> break windows and stuff. Well, what they should have done is just come to Palm Springs. I honestly don't think they're going to be missing most of those cars for a while, especially <laughs> if they're in if they're in bankruptcy. You know, you'd probably just go and and get in the damn car and and go somewhere. Well, yeah, it, it may very well happen, but you know, all the car companies, yeah. all the car rental companies are, are hurting right now because right. nobody's renting the cars. You know, they're just sitting there, like you said, at the airport. I'm sure there's more at LAX. Oh, I'm absolutely sure. But they also still have a lot of uh, foot traffic coming through that place. Yeah, that well, some. It's it's down dramatically. A friend of mine flew out to uh, Phoenix the other day, and he said that there he saw a lot of cars out there, rental cars in the various lots there. Uh, but he said the airport was pretty, you know, pretty quiet yeah. compared to what LAX usually is. So right. uh, that's not yeah, that business is sort of dead for the time being. Right. Um, Mercedes, Mercedes Benz told their entire staff at their U.S. headquarters uh, that uh, for the rest of 2020 they're going to work from home the rest of the year. So, so there, uh, it, does that include like the the service maintenance people? Like you're gonna just take your car over to somebody's house and have them fix it? No, this is at the this is at their headquarters. Oh, at the uh, headquarters. Okay, at, yeah. at the headquarters building. This, it, you know, it's basically all you know servicing. Is uh, that the one various, in New Jersey outside of New York? It is. Yeah, I've been yes. to that actual office. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're and Ford is reevaluating what they want to do. I just saw it flash through the news today that they're going to ask uh, most almost their entire management staff from Dearborn to work at home for the at least September, at least. Yeah, I'm starting to think and predict that a lot of these big businesses that had these really or have these really expensive buildings are going to be rethinking that and that um, they're going to start leasing them out or you know abandoning their leases or selling those buildings because. They don't need them. They've, a lot of people are coming to the place where they're realizing that they probably get more productivity out of those people letting them work from home and occasionally come to a conference center or something like that to, to meet because they don't have to spend forever on the roads commuting and, and all that. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think that's going to be the case for quite a few uh Oh, you know, offices. I, I can, you know, think about all the various uh, big buildings downtown in Los Angeles and Century City. And I mean, even in, in Palm Springs, you know, a lot of that stuff can be done from home and most yep. of it can be done from home. You know, you might need to come into the office every now and again, but why do you need all those thousands and thousands of square feet uh, for, you know, for something like that? Right. You know, for, for something that can be done. I at would home. not want to be in the commercial real estate business right now. 
No, I don't think it is. Although I read that somebody just bought a mall somewhere and they thought it was still a good deal. So there For you go. For like maybe turning it into a go-kart track. <laughs> maybe that's the case. Yeah. Well, uh, here's an interesting story. A German startup called Arculus uh, wants automakers to abandon their rigid production lines and adopt its more flexible platform in which self-driving robots move half-built cars to different sections. Uh, the system works by moving components on flat uh, self-driving robots, allowing for t- a two-dimensional production grid where the steps can be skipped or uh, stations can be moved if needed. Uh, think of it this way. Like, uh, okay, so you've got a traditional production line. It's like a conveyor belt. But what Arculus is doing is they're making it like a shopping mall so that the, 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 you know, the car that's on, the, on this uh, you know, self-driving robot can go to each station, whatever's needed for it, whether it's paint or whether it's you know, putting in a dashboard. It can do all those different things, and it can skip steps if it's not that particular model. So they can make a factory that can do all sorts of different things uh, with just having shops basically for various uh, components of a car, but it can be all different cars. So it can be a different, you know, it can be a different shop for, for a different model. This mm. is the sedan. This is the, uh, this is the, this is the SUV version. These things are the same. These things aren't. Um, it's really not very well suited for a traditional car making business, uh, you know, with an internal combustion engine, but it will be probably very, you know, very viable with uh, EVs um, and also with social distancing. It, it makes, you know, basically you don't have to have the people doing any of these things. Right. Uh, Audi's experimenting with the uh, platform for aspects of pre-production, uh, but the company also believes that the long-term benefits of the modular process will outweigh its costs. So that's, hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, yeah. So some good news for the Hyundai Kona electric there, you know, there's a Kona EV, which is, uh, actually sells quite well here, at least in California. Uh, the police forces in Spain, Switzerland, and the UK currently are using the Kona electric as patrol cars. Uh, they're also using the Hyundai Ionic, which is both a hybrid and electric and hatchback and the Nexo, which is a, which is a Hyundai, um, hydrogen uh, fuel cell car. Uh, they're being used by police forces in Europe. Police in Amsterdam, East Netherlands, and Central Netherlands are also evaluating the Kona Electric. Uh, they are quieter than you know the diesels that they currently use, and you know since they're in a smaller area, it seems to be you know much easier for them. They don't need it to drive more than 200 miles in a in a particular day. You know they're not driving that much. Right. You know, and I think most patrol cars probably don't go more than 200 miles a day if they've got a certain you know patrol radius. Um, and I, but I also think that the they're going to people are going to start using the Tesla Cybertruck uh, as a police car when oh, it's started into production. That ugly production. thing. Yeah, it's uh, it'll have a 600 mile range and can go faster than any of the the perps. Wow. <laughs> think about that. And it's an intimidating looking thing. You know, it's funny because just yesterday on my Facebook uh, page, I put a little new cover photo on there that uh, uh, said cops or soldiers. And basically, you know, with everything that's been being talked about in society lately, uh, it concerns me about how much the vehicles themselves have been militarized in local police departments and sheriff's offices around the United States. It looks like they're branches of the United States military with tanks and and these armored personnel carriers that yeah. – uh, that rival, I, I think it's really, it's like surplus coming back from the wars over in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
It, it is, and it's sold to the police departments here. Now, I, I yield, this is a tweet from Elon Musk that you will like. At least I thought it was super cool. Uh, he was replying to this. Uh, they had the Jay Leno episode where they had the Cybertruck. He says, why is it important for the Cybertruck to be bulletproof? And, and Elon responded on Twitter and says, because it's badass, super cool. I mean, do you want your truck to be bulletproof or not? Of course you do. We want to be a leader in the apocalypse technology. <laughs> Okay. Come on, that's a good. That's a good. It's a good reply. It's a good tweet. Hey, yeah, I guess <laughs> I mean, certainly. <laughs> it's certainly newsworthy. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 just. I thought it was just funny. I mean, it, it's that we so want to be Elon a leader Musk. in apocalypse technology. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that 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 was a good one for them. So um, okay, uh, let's see, Aston Martin's CEO has been replaced by Mercedes-Benz AMG boss uh, Tobias Mower. Uh, they basically, this is because there's been a shakeup there with the ch- change of ownership of Aston Martin, a Canadian billionaire, uh, bought a controlling est- interest in the company. Uh, so the CEO right now is going to step down on August 1st, and then he becomes a member of what they call the executive director, which is basically on the board of directors. So it's a big step for Aston Martin to get a new one. And it's from Mercedes AMG. Uh, Aston Martin uses AMG engines in their cars. I see. So they are familiar with each other. Uh, this is Todd Bianco. I'm here with John McBullen. You're listening to All Revved Up on iHub Radio, and we'll be right back. From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. I have, uh, I found an interesting survey that J.D. Power did. It uh, was consumer sentiment on future mobility technologies. Um and they, they, they're they a little worried about what the car makers are doing because it doesn't seem like people are ready to accept new things. So let's start with the new technology of self-driving cars. Uh, consumers don't believe technology is ready or that society is ready. Future uh, density technology failures uh, <laughs> or or errors remain the top concern about self-driving technologies in both countries in Canada and in the United States. Duh. Canada being more Canada being more worried than in the United States because Canada's colder and has a lot of snow and uh, other weather that is, you know, um, I don't think the current technology can can see through it and drive through it. Uh, so they're a little more concerned. So they say it's not practical in Canada where the snow isn't has as there is snow and messy roads. The cameras required cannot see clearly at all times and would be ne- that would be necessary for them to work properly and safely in, in you know in this kind of climate. You know, uh, I hadn't even ba- thought about that, but uh, this week I was at Costco and I walked yeah. into the um, into the uh, cooler unit where they have the veg vegetables and stuff and fruit right right in the back yeah. and and 
Of course, then I walk out and I've got my mask on and the heat from that is going up and hitting my glasses, which are now chilled and they're fogging right. up and all that. I hadn't thought about that in terms of the cameras in those kinds of situations. Yeah. And, and the snow can get, I mean, you know, it's not just the windshield. There's, you know, cameras on the side and stuff. Right. And if those get mucked up. I mean, I, I've had it happen on my car where uh, one of the side cameras got dirty and it just dis- disabled my autopilot system because it said, you know, that, that it, it had an error because of one of the cameras. Well, and I, once I cleaned you. it, I, I got out and cleaned it and then it worked again. Yeah. At least it told so, you. Yeah, it did. It told me that, that you know what the problem was, but it disabled the system, which good. I mean, you know, I want everything to be you know working, but we don't think about it as much here in you know Southern California, where we don't have that many days of bad weather, and the bad weather generally consists of rain. No, you just have to be concerned that the camera might melt. Well, yeah, in the desert, you know, what did it get to the hundred and ten during the week? Uh, it was, it was quite warm. Yeah. So, but the, you know, the Americans and and Canadian consumers are also worried about the law of unintended consequences, uh, that will come about as a result of self-driving vehicles, uh, concerns about, uh, creating a lazy society dependent on technology with diminished driving skills. Hmm. <laughs> and they were uncertain about the time frame. Experts anticipate self-driving delivery vehicles will be around in the next four years. However, the self-driving vehicles, they think it's going to be at least to 18, despite what Elon Musk says. So it's going to be a while. And there's also going to be changes uh, post-COVID-19. Experts anticipate that consumers' uh, need for mobility may shift even after the life uh, you know, returns back to normal. Um, so coronavirus outbreak may steer some people uh, away from shared t- transportation, so things like you know shared cars or things you know that might be yeah uh, you know they're talking about these you know shared things that look like bread loaves that drive around by themselves in various cities and <laughs> people may want to be self-distancing and not in one of those things. And then the other thing that they found out is that uh, consumers have not figured out what an EV is yet. Seventy uh, percent of American respondents have never been in a battery electric vehicle, and thirty percent say they know nothing about them. Canadians are only slightly more experienced with battery electric vehicles. That sixty-seven percent have never seen one. I've never been in one, but are more knowledgeable uh, hmm. with the 19 percent saying they know nothing about them. One consumer said, I like the idea of electric power vehicles, but at what cost? Uh, once the batteries need replacement, how ex- expensive are they? How old do electric cars, uh, electric batteries, uh, you know, how Good do they too. affect the environment? Are they going to be recycled or will they you know, make landfills even more toxic? Uh, well, by the way, they are to be recycled. Batteries can be recycled. They just don't know that they can. And that you're talking, you know, Elon's talking right now about a battery that will last for a million miles. And what uh, what an internal combustion engine lasts that long, no. which would be very few. Uh, even though even in my uh, Tesla Model 3, that he said that the, the motor should last for at least 500,000 miles and the battery for easily two to 300,000 miles with only minor degradations and maybe a 10 to 20 percent loss. And that still makes the car completely drivable in, in most situations. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's a, but there's there's always the barriers to it that there's no charging. The odds, about, you know, the odds in the charging. long, I think the odds in the long term are going to be that that people are going to just get um, tired with what they're in and want to you know upgrade and you know like we always do with whether it's a yeah. phone or a car or you know whatever to the next well, best thing. I think as long, when people understand that there are places uh, to charge them, I mean, some there's there's uh, 
places of parking spaces in LA and West Hollywood uh, right now where you can park right where a meter is and plug your car in. And, you know, the meter charge is included with, with the, uh, with the, whatever they're charging you for the electricity at that particular station. Plus, I mean, a country like Germany is now mandating that electric, that all gasoline stations have to put in uh, chargers. So that, you know, yeah. people will see them there at least and say, Oh, I could get, you know, you know recharge there or something. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of barriers still out there for this kind of technology. Uh, you're listening to Todd Bianco and John McBullen. This is All Roughed Up on iHeart Radio. We'll be right back after this. From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hey, Todd. Uh, hi. I thought we would discuss the 20 most fuel-efficient uh, crossovers. Everybody buys crossovers these days. And AutoWeek just had a, a list of what they thought were. They, they did it for mainstream uh, brands. So they didn't do luxury brands. Uh, and they did, you know, they did it by size, some, you know, subcompact, compact, you know, midsize, large, those kinds of things. And I thought it was interesting uh, to hear what they said about some of them. So for the uninitiated for these terms, what is a crossover? A crossover is a car that looks like an SUV. Okay. So basically it's a car based, it's a unibody car. So it's, it's not, it's not like a big truck, which is a big ladder frame with the body screwed on it. This is your standard, what you would call a unibody car. It's all one piece. And they've basically made it into what we call an SUV or a crossover, which is, you know, it's, so it's everything basically from like a, a, a RAV to a, uh, yes. to an exploder. Yes, exactly. All those kinds of cars. So, like, we'll we'll start with the subcompact, the Subaru Crosstrek, uh, which is based on the Impreza, which is you know basically you know a nice little sedan. So they what they say about it, it gets thirty miles per gallon, has all wheel drive, and it's the first in its first in its class in the subcompact crossover range. Uh, and it's also in our hearts. They they really like it. it has a good peppy little uh, two liter. A uh, horizontal four engine makes 152 powers and returns 30 miles per gallon with all-wheel drive, and that's really very good because the rest of the cars on this list are they start you know that you can get them with all-wheel drive, but they're you know they the base ones are all front-wheel drive. Um, like the number two is the Honda HRV, uh, gets the same as the Subaru Crosstrek, 30 miles per gallon. Uh, uses a 1.8 liter four-cylinder engine with a continuously variable transmission uh, to tie it, uh, to get its best, uh, you know, tie the cross track at 30 miles per gallon. Uh, you got I wouldn't buy one horsepower. I wouldn't buy it just be. because it's got HR in its name. And who likes the HR department? Uh, nobody. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird name, but they, you know, they were staying with the uh, CRV was basically named, you know, a hundred years ago when they first made it. It was the uh, Civic 
uh, C civic recreational vehicles. I think that's what that stood for. And, and I don't know what the H stands for in this, but I guess they decided they had to sort of stick with the same naming convention. Um, let's see number, uh, the number three on their list is the Chevy tracks, uh, which is uh, front wheel drive. There's nothing too exciting about the Chevy tracks, but the, the company still sells a ton of them uh, to rental companies. Uh, it, it has a 1.4 liter turbo in, uh, inline four cylinder engine with a you know kind of a scant 138 horsepower with a six speed automatic um certain colors like white do nothing for the looks <laughs> so yeah so okay uh but one that's the same is the buick encore which is essentially the nice version of the chevy tracks uh and it gets 27 miles per gallon it's front wheel drive uh it's the third in sales and fourth in, in miles per gallon in the at uh, 27 miles per gallon uh like the tracks it comes with the same 1.4 liter uh, turbo four engine making 138 horsepower uh, all-wheel drive is optional for about 3,000 extra so that's a lot of money for the all-wheel drive option. It's probably um, also number one among uh, people 85 and over who want an SUV. It just, could just be. I mean, the Buick. people Buick is a certain demographic that likes Buick still. Uh, you know, I I just don't know. I, I I see a lot of them actually. I don't see very many tracks unless they're rentals. But I see a lot of the uh, they sell a lot of the Buick Encores. Um, the number five on the list is the Jeep Renegade. I see a lot of these too. Uh, the Renegade is by far the most powerful in the group, uh, the sub with a, with 177 horsepower from a 1.3 liter turbo uh, inline four cylinder engine. Uh, it has a nine speed automatic that sends power to the power to the front wheels. Uh, but if you're, you know, you're, but you are getting what this, you know, it says Jeep on the front. It's also the, it's basically the same car as the, um, uh, Fiat 500 X. So the same car it says this one says Jeep on it and looks like a Jeep as opposed to looking like a Fiat. So it's, uh, but it's popular still. I see quite a few of them, uh, the little Jeep Renegade. Now we move to the compact. This is the big selling, uh, versions of these things. Uh, the Toyota RAV4. Uh, is the number one. It's uh, as a 30 miles per gallon with front wheel drive, and um, it's got a it's got you know nice new sheet metal upgrade. It has sports a 2.5 liter four cylinder engine with an eight speed automatic transmission. Uh, it has a nice 203 horsepower. It's the most powerful in this group and the most efficient. Uh, the next one is the Honda CRV, which you know we've everybody's seen that 30 miles per gallon. Uh, the CRV is second in the sales and second in efficiency in this class with a 1.5 liter turbo four uh, and the CVT with a continuously variable transmission uh, delivering the whole 190 horsepowers. Um, Honda said it sold millions of them and 2020 uh, in 2020 the Chevy Equinox uh, is the is the next one on the list um, you know I'm surprised at that I with drove one of those uh, I had a rental car to go from Palm Springs over to uh, Pahrump, Nevada uh, a little over a year ago and right. I drove one of those and I actually liked it a lot the Chevy Equinox uh-huh yeah, I mean they, they sell they sell a lot of them. They sell a boatload of them, and they're very popular. Uh, it's uh, you know it's a little bit bigger than its competitors, and it feels bigger. Uh, comes with a 1.5 liter turbo four with 170 horsepower and a six speed automatic. Uh, the other two that round out the category, which they sell a boatload of these too, the Nissan Rogue is the number one selling Nissan at 29 29 miles per gallon. 
it's uh, you know, and it was a few years ago. It was the best-selling vehicle in the country, but now the uh, Toyota Rav4 has beat it for that. Not a truck, but a, you know, a vehicle. Uh, you know, whether a sedan or you know, crossover like this. Um, but it's a very popular Nissan's redoing it for 2021. So there's a brand new one coming on uh, the 2020 Ford escape was just redone last year. It gets 30 miles per gallon. Um, you know, the, like the RAV4, uh, the new escape comes with a 1.5 liter turbo, uh, f- uh, turbo inline three cylinder engine making uh, 180 horsepower. That's quite a bit for a three cylinder engine, uh, with an eight speed automatic, uh, you know, starts at about 25,000 all wheel drive is about a $1,500 option. Uh, midsize, we see a lot of these too. It's, you know, the, the best one in the class is the Subaru Outback, uh, with 29 miles per gallon and all wheel drive. Um, you know, it's uh, Subaru probably is the favorite again for most people in, in that category. Uh, all-wheel drive, of course, is standard in a Subaru. Well, as uh, you know, t- I, I I loved my Outback when I had one. They're absolutely terrific cars. I mean, yeah. they've been they've been popular for, for decades. You know, they've been making them for 25 years now, 30 years at least. Uh, you know, they keep getting a little bit bigger, but they are they are very popular. Yeah. Uh, then then comes the Hyundai Santa Fe. Uh, with, uh, let's see, it gets an upgraded looks department a few years back and is now, uh, you know, a really compelling option. Uh, the base model uses a 2.4 liter inline four, uh, making 185 horsepower with an eight speed automatic transmission. Uh, it's sister uh, car is the Kia Sorento, uh, with 25 miles per gallon combined, uh, front wheel drive. Uh, the Sorento is fifth in sales in the midsize class, but third in overall MPG and, uh, at 25 miles per gallon. It has a six speed automatic tied to a 2.4 liter inline four cylinder engine at 185 horsepower, just like the Hyundai. Uh, it starts at around 27,000. Uh, the Ford Edge, we see a ton of those as well. Uh, 25, uh, 24 miles per gallon is where it starts with the front wheel drive. Uh, it's the second most powerful vehicle with the delivering 250 horsepower using its two liter turbo four and an eight speed automatic transmission. Uh, all wheel drive uh, knocks one miles per gallon off the combined score uh, if you get it with that. And then there's the Honda Pilot. It gets 22 miles per gallon combined. Uh, the Pilot is uh, last on this list with 22 miles per gallon, uh, but it is the most powerful with 280 horsepower from a 3.5 liter V6. It can seat up to eight passengers when properly equipped. Uh, you might get less MPG, but you get a little bit more for your money. Um, then we move into the full size, and like you said, the Ford Explorer. We, we you know, those are everywhere basically. Um, you know, the Explorer leads uh, with the MPG the, because it was redone with a two with 24 miles per gallon. It has a base one is a 2.3 liter inline four cylinder engine and a 10 speed automatic transmission. Output is 300 horsepower. Of course, there's the Toyota Highlander, which gets 23 miles per gallon. Uh, so it's brand new this year. It's available uh, and it's able to squeeze 23 miles per gallon. Now there's a hybrid version of this, but this is all this, this list is doesn't include any hybrids. It's just gasoline powered, uh, you know, traditional brand cars. Uh, and it, the the, the uh, base 3.5 liter of uh, V6 uh, spits out 295 horsepower. <clears throat> then there's the GMC Acadia, which is uh, and there's, there's a there's a the, the, the Mm, the Chevy, there's a Chevy analog to that. What is it? It's the Chevy, and there's a, and there's a Cadillac version of it now too. But the GMC Acadia uh, is the 
uh, they call it the butches in the group with this <laughs> high front end and blocky rear. It comes with a 2.5 liter inline four cylinder engine, a nine speed automatic transmission and with 193 horsepower. Uh, the base model can tow a thousand pounds. Uh, on the list also is a Subaru Ascent. Uh, it gets 23 miles per gallon. It, of course, has all-wheel drive. Uh, the Ascent is Subaru's second stab at a bigger SUV. Remember the one you had, John? I do. You didn't like it that much, did no. you? <laughs> well, they, they killed that one because it wasn't like the B9 people. Tribeca. Yeah, the B9 Tribeca, yeah. yeah. They, they experimented with the nose on that car a few different times, and I don't think it was ever very successful for Subaru. No. Uh, but what, what happened was when they killed it, uh, the dealers got upset because it didn't give them a bigger car to sell. That's why they made the ascent. Uh, you know, after you know, the, after the B9 Tribeca disappeared, there was like a five or six year hiatus, and the dealers kept saying, "We need something bigger to sell to people when they come in our showroom because they want some people need something that has, you know, like you know that has three rows, and this one has three rows in it. Um, the uh, the Outback does not have three rows, and you can't get it with three rows. You can get the Toyota Highlander with three rows, and you can get the um, the uh, the Ford Explorer with three rows, and you can get uh, I think it's the Chevy." Oh, what is it? The Chevy Traverse. I think you can get that with three rows. And that's the that's the same as the GMC Acadia. Does Chevy still have the Blazer? Uh yes, it does. It's it's actually all new. And it's a it's also a crossover. It's it's about the same size as the Acadia. It didn't make this list, but it's the best looking Chevy uh crossover by far. Yeah. It's it's very sexy looking. I had uh, a I had one back boy, it's been a long time ago now. I guess I got one back in uh, 1997 or eight. Ah, uh, but that was a truck back then. It's no, no. longer a truck. It's now uh, basically a cross. You know, it's a, no, it's it was a, a crossover car. at that point. Uh, it, it was an SUV. It was based on a well, truck. SUV. Yeah, yeah. It was based on it was th- these crossovers are based on cars. Oh, yours true. was based. Yours was yours was an SUV, but it was based on a truck. Yeah, it was based on the little pickup truck they had. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, the yeah. These are, you know, these are they sell tons and tons of these cars. These are the most popular in the market, and and um, you know, it's it's not surprising because people love the utility of them. That's why they're they're popular. I mean, they're just taking over from everything. They won't be everything. I mean, there are always there's always people that are going to want something different, but uh, these are you know these are all hitting huge, you know, selling hundreds of thousands of units. Yeah, I'm just looking at a 2019 Acadia uh, over at uh, Jessup, and they want like thirty-four and a half thousand for that. Hmm. Check out check out the Blazer. I think it's better looking, at least. Yeah. Uh, so this is Todd Bianco and John McBullen. You're listening to All Revved Up on iHub Radio. We'll be right back. Weather, truth, and fun. We're iHub Radio, homegrown in the Coachella Valley. For the love of cars. 
This is All Revved Up. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. I thought we'd do a little more news until we get to the top of the hour. There are rumors swirling around Ford that it's turning both the Bronco and the Mustang into sub-brands so that will be various models underneath that. You know, it will be a Mustang, but it will be the traditional Mustang. It will be the electric Mustang. It could be a four-door coupe-looking Mustang. So they're going to do that kind of thing. Same thing with Bronco, that they're going to have the Bronco. They're going to have the Bronco Sport. They're going to have the the you know, they're calling it a Maverick pickup truck, um, you know, but the, the, they would, you know, all be under sort of like a sub brand of, you know, within Ford, yeah. um, you know, they've been, you know, they've been trying to do that at Chevrolet for years for Corvette, you know, just to make it its own, basically, you know, it's a Corvette, it's not a Chevrolet, it's a, it's a Corvette, but that's never happened. Uh, but, uh, I think Ford will probably do it with the Bronco and the Mustang because it makes sense for them right now. Uh, and they're going to call it the Ford icons group. Uh, so it lets Ford leverage their, uh, iconic names and brands and create niche products under each umbrella. So the big range, the big Bronco they've just tweeted out will be revealed next month. They didn't give a day yet. You know, finally we've been waiting for months for this thing to come up, but COVID-19 sort of kept delaying things. Um, you know, it's basically on the Ranger, so it'll be you know a, a sort of a mid-size car, but the, it's a bigger one. And then the Ford, uh, I mean the Bronco Sport is going to be based on the uh, Escape Focus platform. Uh, so it will be, but they're also talking about making it into uh, the one you know into a pickup truck, a small one, um, like the you know with the with the uh, same size of it as an Escape. We'll see if they do that. And then they're also talking about a racing version called the Bronco R. And of course. You know, we're all waiting for the Mustang Mach-E to, to come into existence. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I think it's probably a good idea that they do something like that. Uh, Lordstown Motors is talking uh, future expansion plans. Uh, they're the company that took over the Lordstown, Ohio plant from General Motors that used to make the, uh, uh, the Chevy Cruze. Uh, that was all the big fuss when they closed the plant because, you know, they, all the people lost their jobs. And it was, and it sucked. And Trump was upset and tweeted about it, and you know, and GM went ahead and closed the plant because nobody was buying the car. It didn't make sense for them to waste money if they weren't making money in the car. Yeah. You know, if they were just, you know, if they were just building for the rental fleets, it made no sense to them. So I understand why they closed it. But Lordstown Motors is the is the company that bought it, and they're going to be making electric pickup trucks. And they've already announced the plans to build the batteries in house, or they're going to. They have a Chinese battery partner. I forget. I mean. It could be CATL that's going to be their battery partner. Uh, and they're going to have like a, a, a sub factory within the factory that's going to be building the batteries there. Um, and the first product is going to be the endurance pickup truck to be priced from $52,000. Uh, first production target uh, is 20,000 units. They're already started pre-production this summer. Uh, they've already got the bodies in white laying around and they expect deliveries to start in January of next year. So January 2021. So the main features are they're going to have in-wheel electric motors. So there's one on each wheel with a range of 250 miles. Uh, Lordstown plans to be a volume manufacturer, though. It plans on different variants of the of its products, including an SUV. The company sees volumes of up to 600000 a year. That is dreamland, but wait that's minute, what they say. I want you to go back because when you're talking about uh, the engine in each wheel. Does that mean like when one runs out, you go to another so you could get like 1,000 miles? 
No, it basically it's basically an all-wheel drive system, but oh. the, the computer the computer tells it how to drive each wheel separately or together. You know, That's, so that you have. Doesn't that sound to you like something that is going to be rife with the opportunity for error and 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 trouble if for somebody if something goes awry while you're out driving? Well, the software needs to be written properly. I mean, that, that, that's where the key is. But the other problem is uh, what happens if you smash one wheel on a curb or something? You know, it yeah. could damage one of the motors. So th- that's one of the reasons that Tesla didn't put one. And you uh, have to hope uh, that Microsoft didn't write any of the code or it's going to be filled with well, you know, bugs. Yeah, yeah. The Microsoft didn't write any of the code. But, yeah, it, there's, there's issues with in-hub motors that have yet to be tested because this would be the first pickup truck with you know, in-hub motors, you know, it motors in each one of the wheels. So we'll see how it does. But Tesla doesn't do that. Tesla has the motors inboard. So even on the, the, the top-of-the-line Model S Plaid Performance Plus P100, you know, Model S 100D dual-wheel drive performance Plaid Plus. It will have three motors, but it will be one motor for each of the rear wheels, but it will be inboard, not, you know, in the wheel, and then w- one motor for the front wheel, so it will be a tri-motor setup. You know and that what? will be the same thing for the, uh, the Cybertruck. I can't, wait, uh, for, all I can't wait for next hour because you just said the magic word, inboard. Inboard, yes. Well, yes. That, I'll that, explain that, it that's next a, hour, but. That, that's a hint, yes. Yeah. Inboard and outboard, yes. Um, so, uh, so that's Lordstown. Um, you know, and in order to stoke demand for uh, the coronavirus depression, uh, Tesla lowered the price of its Model Y uh, on all its cars except the Model Y. So the Model Three dropped by two thousand dollars, and the Model S and X each dropped by five thousand. What can I get uh, that Model to, Three for right now? Oh, I don't know. It's, it, the base is like thirty. Five thousand, uh, but the one they're talking about, which is the one they dropped the price of, is, a, is about thirty-eight thousand for thirty-nine thousand now. Okay, it, it's still not a bad. I mean, if you if you compare it to an entry-level BMW, people you know say, oh, that's yeah. too expensive. Have you priced a BMW three series or well, an Audi A four the, lately? They're the, all forty thousand. They start there at forty thousand. And you and you also factor in the longevity. Yeah, exactly. This will last longer. Uh, but they, they no longer are going to offer f- uh, free uh, supercharging for the Model S and Model X. You're going to have to pay for it like I do in the Model 3. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I know. It's uh, it's one of those things. But Tesla at least is still building out its supercharger system, which is, you know, kind of important, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, Tesla is the only – they're the only manufacturer that sells direct to their customer. So when you say, oh, God, they lowered the price of their car, think about what happens when you go to a dealer to buy a normal car. Guess what? The price drops, right? Yeah. You know, the, the, the sticker doesn't mean anything. You can easily get X number of $1,000 off the right. price. So just because Tesla does it and they say, oh, my God, the end is near. But that's really not true. So this is the only way they can do it because they don't have dealers. You know, they can't and they don't have their own finance company to make up, you know, weird numbers on leases that make them sound very, you know, very affordable. Right. Yeah. So uh, Amazon is in talks to uh, buy the Zooks, Z-O-O-X. It's a startup in San Francisco. Uh, I don't know how much they they don't say how much they're paying, but the number being floated is about one billion. Uh, But in 2018, a round of funding valued the company at three point two billion. Amazon wants to accelerate its autonomous delivery ambitions. And they want to use Zeus tech probably in a Rivian, uh, Rivian uh, Amazon delivery van. Hmm. Interesting stuff. So yeah. when we come back, lots of bring a trailer things, John. 
Yes, indeed, including a bimmer. Yeah. Well, this is Todd Bianco and John Mamong, all revved up. I have radio. We'll be back after this.